And welcome to Wise Guys. These guys know sports here on this Thursday, July the 28th, here in the house with your boy Trey Larkins from the Wise Guys Sports Show on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember to go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at Wise Guys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. I'm here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Go and follow the Worldwide Sports Network also on all social media platforms. Got an action jam-packed show tonight. I want everybody to go on Twitter and vote on my question of the day. It's been a big-time topic and something that I'm going to get into here in a bit. Damian Lillard versus Tony Parker. Which player are you taking? That's the question of the day tonight on the Wise Guys Sports Show on the Worldwide Sports Network. Uh, I, I, I think it's a ridiculous question. I'm going to get into it a little bit later on. But go on the Wise Guys Sports page. And vote. I'm actually gonna give a live update because I want I want everybody to know what these results are. Right now, right now we got 57% of people say that Damian Lillard is the better player compared to 43% for Tony Parker. So we'll talk about that here in a bit. Also, a little bit later on the show, we're gonna talk about an anonymous defensive play caller says Patrick Mahomes plays street ball when you take away his first read. And also Julio Jones will be joining Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Tampa for the upcoming NFL season. So I'm going to talk about that as well. Draymond Green wants a max extension from the Golden State Warriors. Does he deserve it? I'm going to talk about that in my Wiser Live segment of the day. But we begin in Boston and Brooklyn as the other day, the Boston Celtics, they announced that Jalen Brown would be available in any trade offer you know, for Kevin Durant. So for any trade package that Brooklyn, you know, would want, the Celtics are willing to include Jalen Brown in those talks with the Brooklyn Nets. So Jason Tatum, he was at an event that Kevin Durant had because Tatum and Kevin Durant are actually friends. So Tatum was at an event that Kevin Durant had and Jason Tatum, he commented on the trade rumors surrounding Jalen Brown. He said, quote, I love our team. That was pretty That was pretty much all he said. He said, I love our team. He said, I don't really make the decisions, but I do love our team that we currently have. And so I want to reiterate how I feel about the Boston Celtics potentially trading away Jalen Brown for Kevin Durant. I, I said the other day on the show, I know how great Kevin Durant is. I still think Kevin Durant is a top five player in the NBA. I know he got swept this past postseason by the Boston Celtics that featured Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, but I still believe that Kevin Durant is a top five player. And I'm not debating whether or not, you know, if Tatum or Brown is better than Kevin Durant. We know the answer to that. We know Kevin Durant is the better player. He's more superior than Tatum and Brown. And if the Boston Celtics were a trade for Kevin Durant, the Boston Celtics would be the favorites in the Eastern Conference. They would be the favorites in the Eastern Conference with Kevin Durant and Jason Tatum. And I think it would be great for Tatum because Tatum would learn so much from Kevin Durant, like being with him and practicing every day and being with him on road trips and being in the gym. Jason Tatum being the dynamic scorer that he is, he would learn so much playing with the player 
like Kevin Durant for his career. Tatum averaged 25 points per game. Well, this is actually this past this this past year. Tatum averaged 26 points per game, and he shot. This was on 39% shooting from three-point range. So we know Jason Tatum is a dynamic scorer, and we all know that the great one of the greatest scorers in NBA history is Kevin Durant. So I believe Tatum would learn so much playing alongside KD. And I think that if they teamed up in Boston, they would be the best duo in the NBA. I would take Tatum and KD over LeBron and Anthony Davis. I'm taking KD and Tatum over Giannis and Chris Middleton. Give me Tatum and KD, you know, over Harden and B. I think they're the best duo in the NBA if they teamed up. And I think they would be the favorites to win the Easter Conference next year and possibly be the favorites to contend with Golden State for the NBA Finals overall and who can win a championship next year. But all that being said, I believe the Celtics will be making a horrible mistake trading for Kevin Durant. One of the reasons why I believe that's the case is because of durability. Durability has been an issue for Kevin Durant. He's played in 90 games over the last three years. We talk about how much Kyrie misses games. Kevin Durant has misses a lot of games himself. He misses a lot of games because he's getting up in age and he's dealing with a lot of different injuries going into this season. Kevin Durant is going to be 34. And with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, you get the dynamic duo of those two for the next 10 years. You team up KD with Tatum, you only get KD and Tatum for the next five years. And we all know KD is one of those individuals you don't know how he's going to feel on a day-to-day basis. He might roll up in Boston next year and want to be traded again. Or in two years, he might request to be traded again if the Celtics don't have a good year next season. You know when you got Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, two cornerstones of your franchise, a dynamic duo you can build around for the next 10 to 12 years, I would take that over KD and Tatum for the next five. Give me Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum for the next 10, then KD and Tatum for the next five. So I think KD, you know, him being so, you know, all over the place and not knowing what he wants to do from year to year and, you know, I, I, I give me Tatum and Brown. And I think also, honestly, and I understand why, Jalen Brown should feel disrespected by the Boston Celtics organization. He should feel disrespected. I think Tatum is better overall than Jalen Brown is. But if you watch the finals this year, you could not tell watching the finals this year that Tatum is better than Brown. Tatum was a shell of himself. He got outplayed by Andrew Wiggins, and Jalen Brown balled out. He actually balled out in the finals. And if the Celtics would have won the NBA, finals Jalen Brown would have been the NBA finals MVP so again I think this Boston Celtics team they are championship contenders as currently constructed I remember last week might have been two weeks ago when Steph Curry hosted the awards that same day Grant Williams was on the podcast he believes that the Celtics were the more talented team I couldn't agree more I think the Celtics were the more talented team but the Golden State Warriors were the more experienced team and they were the more disciplined team. And that's why they ended up winning the NBA Finals and winning their fourth championship in eight years. I think the Boston Celtics, they addressed their biggest issue, and that was the point guard position. I love Marcus Smart. We all know Marcus Smart is a great defensive point guard, but he's not your traditional point guard. He's a defensive specialist. They brought in Malcolm Brogdon, and I think Malcolm Malcolm Brogdon will help the Celtics in the playoffs next year and they can get into their sets offensively, 
And you won't see Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum having to handle the ball as much with Malcolm Brogdon at point guard. That was the issue this past year in the postseason. And that's why you saw Jalen Brown and Tatum lead the entire playoffs in turnovers. They didn't have a true point guard. And I love Marcus Smart. Again, I'm keeping Marcus Smart on the Boston Celtics. He's going to have a role on my team. I just believe Malcolm, Malcolm Brogdon is a more traditional point guard, and he's going to have the Celtics, you know, offense flowing at an elite level. Because I think he's going to get Tatum and Brown the ball in places where they can flourish offensively and they, and they can score. So I think the Boston Celtics right now are the favorites in the Eastern Conference next year. I'm going to go on record and say it. I know we still got we got Miami, you know, with Jimmy Butler and Bam and, and Philly, James Harden. He's going to be back in Philly with Joe and B. And it's a possibility that the Chicago Bulls, they may improve this upcoming NBA season. You got Levine back in the fold. Still got DeMar DeRozan. You know, they're going to get Lonzo Ball back as well. I mean, it's a lot of the, a lot of good teams in the in the East. I still think the Boston Celtics are the favorites right now. And I pick and I, I think they're going to make the finals. But we'll see what happens. So that's that's another reason why I don't think they should trade for KD. I think they already got the team that they need. But call into the show, 631-672-3108 is the number to dial. That's the number to dial on the show tonight. Do you think the Celtics should trade? for Kevin Durant and break up the team that they are that they have right now. Let's move on and let's talk about the San Francisco 49ers as Kyle Shanahan. He says the 49ers have moved on to Trey Lance after reportedly meeting with Jimmy G. So everyone's talking about are the 49ers going to regret moving on from Jimmy G? And I have to say this. First and foremost, I have to be careful with my words. No matter how I feel about Jimmy G, I won't disrespect Jimmy G. The last two out of the last three years, he's ended the Green Bay Packers season. Everybody knows I'm a Packers fan. I ain't ashamed to admit it. And we know Aaron Rodgers is better than Jimmy G. But Jimmy G has ended the Packers season two out of the last three years. And after last year at Lambeau Field, Packers lost 13 to 10. To the 49ers, I thought we had the better team, still lost. So I'm going to be careful with my words. I won't disrespect you, Jimmy G. I won't. I won't disrespect you because I got to give you the respect that you deserve because you done beat my Packers in the postseason and sent me home crying. So I ain't going to disrespect you too much. But I don't believe the 49ers will regret moving on from Jimmy G. And here's why. Yes, Kyle Shanahan is 80-28 as a head coach without Jimmy G. And he's 31 and 14 with Jimmy G in the starting lineup. Yes, statistically, Jimmy Garoppolo's stats were actually good last year. Let's go over some of his numbers. His completion percentage was 68%. That ranked sixth in the, in the NFL. His yards per pass attempt was 8.6. That was ranked ninth in the NFL. His yards per completion was 12.7. That was ranked first in the NFL. His passer rating last year was 98.7. That was ranked ninth. So he was top 10 in all those statistical categories. And yes, the locker room loves Jimmy G. We know that George Kittle and Nick Bosa, they always support Jimmy Garoppolo when critics critique him and they criticize his game. We always see his teammates support him. But the 49ers, they won't regret moving on from Jimmy G because Jimmy G was along for the ride. 
Jimmy G is that one friend that when you go out, it's always that one friend who will never spend no money. You always got that one person who never wants to spend no money. You got the one person who say, all right, we're going out tonight. I'll pay for gas. We're going out tonight. All right, well, I got drinks. It's on me. And then you got that one friend who just kind of go along for the ride. They just in the car, but they ain't spending no money too much. And then your friends, once y'all start talking amongst each other, you realize like he or she don't really be spending no money. We be spending all the money. And that friend is like always broke. They ain't never got no money. That's Jimmy G. He goes along for the ride. They have carried Jimmy G in the last three years. They got to a Super Bowl. And you remember in the Super Bowl, the 49ers were up 10 entering the fourth quarter. They were up 10. They had a 10-point lead over Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. They had an opportunity to win that game. And the biggest play of the game, Jimmy G missed Emmanuel Sanders. And that was the play of the game. If you if, if he connects with Emmanuel Sanders, it's a possibility that the 49ers end up winning the Super Bowl. And Patrick Mahomes never even wins his first Super Bowl ring. It, it, won't, it wouldn't have happened. So Jimmy G has been along for the ride. And when it matters the most, it's proven in the fourth quarter. He got the worst passer rating in the fourth quarter in overtime in the playoffs over the last 30 years. Over the last 30 years, Jimmy G has the worst passer rating. These are some of the other names who are as bad as Jimmy G is when it comes to their passer rating in the playoffs. TJ Yates, 28.2 passer rating. Drew Bledsoe, 31.3 passer rating. David Garrard, 35.4 passer rating. Brock Osweiler, 40.5 passer rating. So when it matters the most, the 49ers, they can't rely on Jimmy G to get them over the hump. Last year in the NFC Championship game, I thought majority of that game, the 49ers outplayed the Rams. They outplayed the Rams majority of that game. But when it mattered the most in the fourth quarter, we saw why Matthew Stafford is universally recognized as a top 10 quarterback and Jimmy G is recognized as a game manager. He could not make the necessary plays for the 49ers to punch their ticket to the Super Bowl, and they came up short. So I think he's also injury prone. He's injury prone. You know, you always know Jimmy G is going to get nicked up. Somehow, some way, he's going to get nicked up. And I believe the 49ers, they win in spite of Jimmy G, not because of Jimmy G. So I think the 49ers should move on from Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think it's time for the Trey Lance era in San Francisco. Call it to the soul, 631-672-3108. Do you agree? Should the 49ers move on from Jimmy Garoppolo and hand the reins over to Trey Lance and not look back. Let's move on and let's talk about Damian Lillard. J.R. Smith was on a podcast and he was talking about Damian Lillard and his situation in Portland. And J.R. Smith, he basically asked Damian Lillard, is he just going to rot in Portland? Dame recently signed an extension for two years, $122 million. So it's a good chance that Dame will retire and finish his career in Portland. And I think the last year of this deal, they're going to get paid like $63 million. So he has set his family up for generational wealth for, you know, many years to come. So I, the question here is, will Dame's loyalty end up hurting his legacy and chance at a title? 
it will hurt his chance at a title because we like no one's going to Portland to play, and no free agent wants to play in Portland. Portland's not New York. The bright lights of New York. It's not L.A. with all the the beaches and you know the club life and you know palm trees. It's not Miami. Palm trees and the, you know the, the 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 water, the beautiful water in Miami. That's not what you're going to get in Portland. That's not the kind of city that Portland is. Portland is a nice place to raise your family, but when it comes to quality of life, like I said the other day, when it comes to Devontae Adams, I said Devontae Adams making the right decision going to Vegas and leaving Green Bay. You give me like options between Green Bay and Las Vegas, I'm taking Las Vegas all day long. Same thing when it comes to Portland. Portland's a nice place to raise your family, but it's not a, a big market made for free agents to want to go and play. It's just not. So I think it's going to hurt Dame when he tries to recruit players to come to Portland because they're not going to go there and play. And also, the Portland Trailblazers, they're not going to be the worst team in the NBA. So they're not going to ever have a top five draft pick. You know, they're going to be a team that's going to be like a fringe playoff team. They'll be an eighth seed or ninth seed. So they're not going to be picking at the top of the NBA draft. So that's another reason why I think it's going to be hard for Dame to win an NBA championship in Portland. I'm a Damian Lillard fan, and I don't apologize for it. But I have come to the realization that Damian Lillard might not win an NBA championship. And it happened a few years ago. I'm a Melo fan. Melo was in Portland. It was Melo, McCullum, Dame, Nurkic. Uh, Covington was on that team. They had Hal as well on that team. They went up against the Nuggets in the first round two years ago. Denver didn't even have Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray was out. It was pretty much just Joker uh, by himself and, and, and Porter. And I'm not going to disrespect that Denver Nuggets team. They got, they got a nice team. But their star point guard was out. And I thought the Portland Trailblazers were the better team. They lost in six games to that Denver Nuggets team. So I thought last year, Damian Lillard would have requested to be traded out of Portland. Didn't happen. As a matter of fact, Damian ended up signing an extension, like I just mentioned a few minutes ago, and he's going to finish his career in Portland. That's when I realized, okay, Dame, his priority is not to necessarily win an NBA championship. If it happens, he's going to be good with it, but it's not his number one priority. I think his number one priority is to set up his family for many, many years and future generations. That's his number one priority, and loyalty is, is important today. So I think when he says stuff like, it will mean more to me winning the championship in Portland than anywhere else I go, I believe that. I believe that it, it won't be as fulfilling if Damian Lillard wins a championship outside of Portland. If he was were able to pull it off and miraculously win a championship in Portland, I, I feel like it will be more fulfilling for Damian Lillard as a person. And I also feel as if that Damian Lillard has been preaching loyalty so long to where I believe now he got to ride it on out. You can't request to be traded one year or three years into this contract. I think Dame has to ride this out and remain loyal to Portland and possibly position himself to win a championship. Maybe some injuries happen. We've seen it happen in, in, in years prior where there were teams that won the finals that we thought, oh, they would have made it if it wasn't for injuries. It happened with the Milwaukee Bucks a few years ago. Yes, I'm saying it. Bucks fans, if Kyrie Irving 
and James Harden was he were healthy two years ago, I don't think the Milwaukee Bucks beat the Brooklyn Nets. I don't think they would have beat them. But that's neither here nor there. So I think that's his best chance is if the injuries possibly happen. But I do believe him when he says that, you know, winning a championship is going to mean more in Portland than anywhere else. But when it comes to his legacy overall, like I do want to see Dame on that final stage because I think Damian Lillard is clutch. I think you can make an argument that Damian Lillard is the most clutch player in the NBA. Steph Curry is better than Damian Lillard. But I don't believe Steph is more clutch than Damian Lillard. And I think when you look at the best shooters in the NBA, outside of Steph Curry, Damian Lillard is the next best shooter we have in the NBA. He is literally Steph Curry 2.0. He can pull up from 40 as well. We've seen it multiple times in years prior. A few years ago, Russell Westbrook, Paul George, first round of the NBA playoffs. They in Portland, game five. Damian Lillard got the ball at the top of the key. For whatever reason, I don't know why Paul George, to this day, I don't understand why Paul George didn't force Damian Lillard to put the ball on the floor and blow past him, but he allowed Dame to pull up. Dame Lillard hits the three-point shot, and that was the dagger into the Oklahoma City Thunder playoff hopes that year. And that was a dagger in Paul George and Russell Westbrook playing together in Oklahoma City as well. We've seen Damian Lillard pull up from deep and drop bombs like Steph Curry does in his career. And he's done it in clutch moments. He's so clutch. He's a top five point guard in the NBA when healthy. He's easily a top five point guard in the NBA when healthy. And I want to I want to check out some of these comments. Do y'all think that Dame is making a mistake staying in Portland? 631-672-3108. So Damian Lillard is on pace to become the third highest paid player in NBA history once this contract will be is over. And I thought also, too, like when you look at his, you know, his career, like Portland, they better at paid Dame. Like Damian Lillard is your only attraction. Like he's your he's box office. Like he is everything to the Portland Trailblazers. They had to give Dame a two year, $122 million extension. They had to. They had no choice, even if you – because there's some people out there that believe that Damian Lillard is not a one on a championship team. They don't think he's a one. That's debatable. I'll get into that here in a bit. But the Portland Trailblazers had to pay Dame. They had to pay him. And I, I hate it because I thought Dame's best chance to get to the finals, it came in 2019. In the Western Conference Finals, this was the year when – the Raptors beat the Warriors in the finals, but in the Western Conference Finals that year, remember Kevin Durant got injured. He was out. So it was Dame and CJ versus Steph and Clay. And in each of those four games, the Portland Trailblazers, they had leads in all of those games. They had leads. And they lost all four games. They got swept by the Golden State Warriors. And I was disappointed because, again, I'm a Dame fan, and I was rooting for Dame. That was his chance to get to an NBA Finals didn't happen. Steph and Clay, the Splash Brothers, they completely outplayed Dame and CJ McCullough. They came up small. He came up small. So I thought in his career so far, that was his best chance to get to a Finals. But like I said, the way he's built and how he is as a, as a person, I believe he is the he's loyal and he's going to be loyal to that Portland organization. And those fans up there in Portland, they, they love Dame. They, they love Dame, and, you know, they they we'll see if they can possibly position themselves in a championship, but it's going to be tough. 
being in that market. Now, I got some live news right now, some breaking news that just broke. Oh, Seahawks wide receiver DK Metcalf is signing a three-year, $72 million extension. That includes a $58.2 million guarantee per source. The deal includes $30 million signing bonus. So this is the highest ever for a receiver. Metcalf will be a free agent again at 27 years old. This is Adam Schefter tweeting this. I'm going to say it again. Seahawks receiver DK Metcalf is signing a three-year, $72 million extension that includes a $58.2 million guarantee dollars. The deal includes $30 million at signing bonus. It's going to be the highest ever for a receiver. Adam Schefter just broke that news on Twitter. Now, this is something that I've been talking about. I got to be honest. I'm embarrassed that I have to make this a poll question. I'm embarrassed. I'm going to read the results one more time before I get into this. But who's the better player, Damian Lillard or Tony Parker? And it looks like Damian Lillard end up, and more people think that he's a better player. 57% of people believe that Damian Lillard is the better player, and 43% believe Tony Parker is the better player. So early this year, if you go back on my Facebook page, I made a post on March 1st, and it was a picture that I saw that had said, it was basically making the case for why Tony Parker, who has four championships and a finals MVP, should be a top 75 player, and why Dame should not be a top 75 player. And, you know, everybody out, they came out with the top 75 greatest players list in the NBA. Damian Lillard made the cut. I agree that Dame should not have made the NBA all 75 decades in. I agree. I don't think Damian Lillard has accomplished enough. He does He does not have an NBA MVP on his resume. He doesn't have a championship on his resume. I don't think Damian Lillard is a top 75 all-time player. I think he got a chance to enter that top 75 conversation, but I don't think he's a top 75 player right now. And there were some players that I thought that, that that they missed out on that should have been a top that should have been top 75 players, including Dwight Howard. I don't know how you make a top 75 players list and not have Dwight Howard on there. But to suggest that Tony Parker is a better overall player than Damian Lillard is crazy to me. It's crazy for those people who believe that Tony Parker is better than Damian Lillard. But Let's break down why Damian Lillard is a better player than Parker and why this shouldn't even be a debate. This shouldn't even be a debate. Tony Parker is a key contributor who played his role on those championship Spurs teams. He had the luxury of playing alongside the greatest power forward in NBA history and being coached by one of the best coaches in NBA history and Greg Popovich. Let's compare that to Dane and who's the best and who is who's his best teammates so far in his career. His best teammate was the Marcus Aldridge and CJ McCullough. His best coach was Terry Stotts. Could you imagine Damian Lillard with Tim Duncan and Greg Popovich? And Tim Duncan had Damian Lillard instead of Tony Parker, Tim Duncan would have won seven NBA championships. 
So during the Spurs dynasty, there were times where Tony Parker wasn't the clear second option on the Spurs team. There were nights where it was Manu Ginobili off the bench, and they needed his production in order to win games. I'm not saying Tony Parker is a square, but he didn't ever have the responsibility that Damian Lillard had being a number one option on a contender. Why didn't he have that responsibility? Because he was never as talented as Damian Lillard is. On his best day, Tony Parker can't stand in Damian Lillard's shoes. He can't. That's why I think this is a ridiculous argument. And then they talk about how great of a point guard Tony Parker was, how much he was a facilitator on those Spurs championship team. Well, Damian Lillard averages more assists per game than Tony Parker. Not by a wide margin, but he averages more assists per game than Tony Parker. And we know they're not even in the same stratosphere as shooters. Dame shoots 37% from three-point range in his career. Tony Parker shoots 32% from three-point range during his career. We have nicknamed Damian Lillard, Logo Lillard, because of his ability to pull up as soon as he crossed half court, similar to Steph Curry. Like, I'm going to go to another sport. I'm going to give you another comparison. Will we ever say that Julian Edelman was better than Calvin Johnson? No. Anybody with sense knows that Calvin Johnson is a better receiver than Julian Edelman was. The only reason why we even talk about Julian Edelman and possibly being a Hall of Famer is because of his production in the postseason and playing with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, the greatest NFL coach of all time. That's the only reason why we even talk about Julian Edelman and possibly being a Hall of Famer. Calvin Johnson has always been a more talented player than Edelman. But that's the point that I'm making. People are saying that Tony Parker is better than Dane because of him winning championships. Not realizing that the situation around you matters. It matters. And championships and Super Bowls, last time I checked, they were team accomplishments. Not individual talent. That's team accomplishments. So, like I said, like I think it's crazy. And we got to stop. I think it's just lazy. And, like, we got to look at the, like, what do your eyes tell you? If you're watching a game, and you're comparing Dame and Tony Parker, it's clear that Dame is a better player than Tony Parker. It's clear. It's obvious. So that's my that's my take. I think Damian Lillard is the more superior player, but I'm not going to disrespect Tony Parker. Six-time All-Star, four-time NBA champion, got a finals MVP on his resume, great all-time, great player. He's, he's Tony Parker is... He's not great. He was good. He was a good player. He was good. Damian Lillard, at his max potential, has the pot, the, the possibility of being great. He has the possibility of being great. So I'm taking Dame Dollar over Tony Parker. Come to the show. 631-672-3108. Tony Parker or Damian Lillard?
Let me know. Call in. I think it's dang by a wide margin. I think it's crazy that we even talking about this. Being on social media and seeing different people's opinions. It's the folks that believe that, you know, he was better. You know, Damian, that Tony Parker's better than Damian Lillard. Let's transition to the wiser last segment of the day. The Kansas City Chiefs, they are signing free agent pass rusher Carlos Dunlap to a one-year deal worth $8 million. So, is it wise or last to say that Dunlap will have a major impact on the Chiefs' defense? I think that's wise. I believe, you know, we, we talked about last year in the AFC Championship that Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, they couldn't score in the second half against the Cincinnati Bengals. But we really, we really don't talk about the Chiefs' defense and how they allowed the Bengals to come back in the second half and win that game. Like, they got, in, in the second half, the Chiefs defense, they gave up 17 points after leading at the half 21 to 10. So, I think Carlos Dunlap will help the Kansas City Chiefs. You still got Jones up front, and I think they're still going to be a team that, you know, will compete in the AFC West. They lost Tyreek Hill on offense, but you know, I, I think it's wise that they brought in Dunlap. I think he's going to help their defense. You still got Spagnola as a defensive coordinator out there in Kansas City. I like this pickup for the for the Chiefs. I think he's going to help them on defense. Draymond Green wants and believes he deserves a max contract extension. The four-time All-Star is under contract for two more seasons, but can enter free agency next summer if he declines his 27.5 million player option for 2023-2024. Is it wise or wise to say Draymond deserves to be paid a max extension? That is a lot. Draymond Green does not deserve to be paid a max extension. And if I'm the Golden State Warriors, I'm not even going to discuss an ex contract extension with Draymond Green this season because Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, they didn't get extensions on their contracts until their last year of their deals Draymond got two more years left on his deal two more years left let's come back to the drawing board Draymond Green after we try and compete and repeat as champions this year so if I'm aware I'm not even going to talk to Draymond about an extension until after this season but once we do have that conversation you have to inform Draymond Green that he's not a max player I think that Draymond Green is great for the Warriors. But if Draymond Green were to enter free agency, I don't think his market would be as big as he thinks it would be. I think he's great for the Warriors and their culture and how their team is made up. But I don't think Draymond Green would get a max contract in the open market. So I don't think the Warriors should pay him a max extension. It would be a mistake. Draymond Green, is, he's, not that, that he's not that caliber of player to do that. Green Bay Packers, offensive tackle, David Bakhtiari. He says he feels better but won't predict when he might play again as he recovers from a knee injury that's now more than a year and a half old. Bakhtiari has played just one game since tearing his left ligament on his leg, on his leg December 31st, 2020. The left tackle underwent a third procedure on the knee during the offseason. It was on the physically unable to perform list Wednesday as the Packers open training camp. Is it wise or last to suggest 
that the Packers' Super Bowl hopes depend on the availability of David Bakhtiari. That is wise. The last two playoff losses for Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, they have given up five sacks in both of those games. It happened in the NFC Championship game a few years ago against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then it happened last year in the division round playoff game against the 49ers. They gave up five sacks in both of those games. I think David Bakhtiari, he is the best tackle when healthy. So I think David Bakhtiari and his availability is important for the Packers Super Bowl hopes this year. So I would say that's wise. You've got to have David Bakhtiari in the lineup. Let's transition and let's discuss Patrick Mahomes. There was an anonymous defensive play caller who has some comments on Patrick Mahomes. I'm going to read them. This is an anonymous defensive play caller who says that Patrick Mahomes is not tier one. Quote, we love Mahomes because of his unorthodox throws, not because of his natural pocket presence. And when that disappears, that is when they lose games. I don't think that he is a number one. I think he is a number two. Nothing against the guy. I love the kid. But take his first read away, and what does he do? He scrambles and plays street ball. Veteran defensive play caller speaking to the athletic. It's the same article that the defensive coordinator, Anonymous, called out Lamar Jackson. Now it's Patrick Mahomes who they have called out. So my first thought when I read these comments by this defensive Whoever he is, being anonymous, here we go again with the anonymous quotes. My first thought was, that's when they lose games. Have you not been watching the NFL the last four years? The Kansas City Chiefs have went to four straight AFC championship games. It's clear that they're not able to figure out Patrick Mahomes much. It's clear that Patrick Mahomes knows what he's doing. How can you say, well, that's when they lose games? It's not happening very often. They've been in the last four, four AFC championship games. So it threw me off when, it, when, when he said that they don't win when that happens. And then you look at Patrick Mahomes as a starter. 50 and 13 career record as a starter in the NFL. 50 and 13. That's a great record for a starting NFL quarterback. So to suggest they don't win games when Patrick Mahomes can't read certain defenses, obviously it doesn't happen very much. Not to mention, what threw me off even more was the, he's not tier one. What? Anybody that's making a list of their top tier quarterbacks and they don't include Patrick Mahomes should be drug tested. They should be drug tested immediately. He's a top-tier tier one quarterback easily. It's not even a debate. Like, what are we talking about? Like, if Patrick Mahomes is not a tier one quarterback, I sure in the hell would like to know who he is. I want to know who he is by this anonymous defensive play caller. Who is, the, who, who is tier one to you? Like, if Patrick Mahomes is not tier one, who is? Like, what are we talking about? This is Patrick Mahomes. A few years ago, his MVP season. 50 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. He completed 
66% of his passes, he had over 5,000 passing yards that season. One of the greatest MVP seasons in NFL history. And that was only his second year as a starter. How is that not tier one? What do we talk like? We have to stop with all these critiques and because it looks different and we're not used to seeing it, we have to stop acting like these guys can't play quarterback at a high level. This is Patrick Mahomes that we're talking about. And the only quarterbacks in the NFL that I'm taking over Patrick Mahomes is Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Those are the only two quarterbacks that I'm taking over Patrick Mahomes. And you can make an argument that Mahomes is better than Rodgers because of his postseason performance and Brady overall right now. Now, last year he did struggle. He did struggle last year because last year Mahomes, he had, what, 37 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. He completed 66% of his passes. And he had that, like, weird stretch in the middle of the season where he was struggling significantly. He was struggling. And I, I, I even had to call him out. I'm like, what's going on, Pat? Like, what, what, what's, what's the issue? Remember last year, I think it was like week nine, Rodgers caught COVID, Packers at Chiefs. He struggled in that game against the Packers defense. The only reason why the Chiefs won that game was because Jordan Love was playing. That's the only reason why they won. Had Aaron been playing, I think the Packers would have pulled that game out. So he did struggle last year, middle of the season. But he picked it up later on in the season and figured it out. But to suggest he's not tier one, it's insane. And I think this defensive play caller, whoever he is, and he's anonymous, I wish he would put his name on it so we can we can put his face on Wise Guy Sports on the World Wide Sports Network tonight. I want to put his face on the show and let it be known who this is saying this because it's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And again, if you don't think that Patrick Mahomes is a tier one quarterback, you should be drug tested. We like your football IQ is in question. I can't even talk football with you if you don't think that Patrick Mahomes is a tier one quarterback. Now, I want to talk about my expectations for the Kansas City Chiefs this year. They traded Tyreek Hill to the Miami Dolphins. So I think their offense is going to look a little bit different. Eight years prior, they were hitting home runs. I think this year, the Chiefs are going to hit singles, doubles. I don't see this Kansas City Chiefs offense being a juggernaut like it has been in years past. I thought the connection that Patrick Mahomes had with Tyreek Hill was right there with Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers, right there with, you know, a Tom Brady and a, a Mike Evans or, you know, I thought, I, I thought that connect Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup, that connection is – is, is outstanding. I think that Mahomes and Hill, they were similar with that connection. Because you got to think, Tyreek Hill, last year, he had 111 receptions, 1,239 receiving yards, nine touchdowns, and his ability to make guys miss in the open field is something that the Chiefs offense is going to miss. He was a home run hitter for that offense. And I always say, like players like Tyreek Hill and Jamar Chase, they're dangerous because they can take a five-yard slant and go 60 yards to the house. That's what the Chiefs' offense is going to miss this year. They're going to miss that, 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 that home run ability from a receiver like Tyreek Hill. Now, they still got other receivers 
in that offense who can produce. You know, you, you still got Hartman, and we know Hartman is fast as well. You know, you still got Marquez Valdez-Scanlon. They signed him in free agency. He was the former Green Bay Packer. He He's fast. He, you know, he got some speed. He can help Patrick Mahomes in the passing game. And they brought in Juju Smith-Schuster as well. I still want to see what Juju Smith-Schuster has left in the tank. I think he still can produce at a high level. He's going to help them in the passing game. So I thought they were bringing in Smith-Schuster was, was significant. And you still got Travis Kelsey, arguably the best tight end in the NFL. Still got Travis Kelsey. Now, it's going to be interesting because I want to see how the, the opposing defense, defenses that they play this year, how they attack this Chiefs offense. You don't have to worry about Tyreek Hill no more. So if you double Travis Kelsey, you got, you're going to force – a Smith-Schuster or Hardman or a valdez Scantling to have to win their one-on-one matchups. I think that this Chiefs offense is going to look, look a little bit different, and I think they're going to be running the football a lot more this year. I, I expect Clyde Edwards-Alaire to have a decent season this year. And they brought in Ronald Jones. He previously played with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's going to be a nice pickup, you know, for the Chiefs this year. I think it's going to help them in their running game. Andy Reid doesn't like to run the football. But I think this year he's going to be forced to have to run the football more than he did in previous years because you don't have Tyreek Hill, you know, this year. Same, similar to what's going to happen with, with Green Bay. I'm going to talk about the Packers, you know, as well in future shows. But I think the Packers' offense is going to look much different this year without Devontae Adams being in the lineup. But when I look at the Kansas City Chiefs, they're, they are in the toughest division in the NFL. In the AFC West, you've got the Chargers. You got Justin Herbert trying to punch his ticket to his first postseason berth. They brought in uh, on defense. They brought in Khalil Mack, so they're going to be better defensively and and offensively. You still got Keenan Allen. You still got Williams. You still got Eckler at the running back position. So you know we got Brandon Staley, the head coach. He, made, he took a lot of risks last year. Not sure about Brandon Staley. You know, as a head coach, I still got my questions, but I like the Chargers team. The Raiders traded for Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams already has chemistry with Derek Carr, dating back to their days when they played at Fresno State. And then on that offensive side of the ball for the Raiders, you got Darren Waller, you know, a top three tight end in the NFL. You got Jacobs in the backfield. You got Hunter Renfro, who was a reliable target for Derek Carr in previous years. I think the Raiders are going to be better defensively. They brought in Chandler Jones. So they're going to be better on the defensive side of the ball. And they're going to be better overall. I think Derek Carr is going to elevate into that top 10 quarterback in the NFL conversation this year. I, I, I like Derek Carr. Uh, I've been saying it. I think that, you know, Derek Carr hasn't really had a great support system with the Raiders. This year will be his sixth coach in nine years. Sixth coach. Like, it's, it's crazy, but I like them bringing in Devontae Adams and teaming him up with Derek Carr. And then, you know, you look at the Denver Broncos. They brought in Russell Wilson. They're going to be better as well in the AFC West. This is the toughest division in the NFL. All four of these quarterbacks can lead their teams to the postseason. Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Derek Carr, and J- Justin Herbert. They all can lead their 
teams to the postseason. So it's going to be tough for the Chiefs. I still think they're a playoff team. I'm not sure they win the division. I'm going to get my NFL predictions division by division here in a few weeks. But I think the Chiefs will be a playoff team. I'm going on record right now saying it today on Wise Guys Sports, on the Worldwide Sports Network. It's Thursday, July 28th. Today I'm saying the Chiefs will be a playoff team. But I'm not sure they're going to win the division. They might make the playoffs as a wild card. I'm not so sure. There's so many good teams in the AFC. The AFC is so it's, it's so much competition in the AFC. AFC North, you got the Bengals, you know, fresh off a, a Super Bowl appearance. You got the Ravens, you know, all the injuries that they dealt with last year. They're going to be coming back, you know, for a vengeance and trying to get into the playoffs. And then, you know, in the AFC East, the Buffalo Bills, they're one of the best teams in the NFL. And then in the AFC South, you got the Indianapolis Colts. They brought in Matt Ryan in the offseason. He's a significant upgrade over Carson Wentz. The Colts will be in play in the AFC. They're my sleeper in the AFC, the Colts. The Indianapolis Colts are my sleeper in the AFC. You got one of the best running backs in the NFL in Jonathan Taylor. And you got Matt Ryan flinging that football. I think the Colts are a sleeper in the AFC. I think Matt Ryan is better than Carson Wentz and Phillip Rivers. Phillip Rivers, he had that one year in Indianapolis. Matt Ryan right now is better than Phillip Rivers was a few years ago. So I think the the Colts are a team that you got to look out for in the AFC. They're a sleeper. So I think, again, the Chiefs are a playoff team, but the AFC is, 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 is crazy. It's crazy. Let's transition. Let's go to the NFC. As Julio Jones is teaming up with Tom Brady, he just signed a one-year deal with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I have to say this. Tom Brady at it again. Bringing in Julio Jones because the last few years, the Packers have been in play for free agents like Odell Beckham, like Antonio Brown, and they were in play again for Julio Jones. And somehow, Tom Brady comes in and steals Julio Jones off the open market because we the, the Packers needed Julio. They needed Julio Jones. And Tom Brady is at it again. At it again, bringing in a Hall of Fame receiver at the end of his career. Like, he did it with Antonio Brown, and we saw how it worked out for the Bucs, bringing in A.B. They ended up winning a Super Bowl. And Antonio Brown produced at a high level for Tom Brady when he needed him the most. Caught a touchdown pass in the Super Bowl, and here we go again, bringing in Julio Jones. So will the future Hall of Fame receiver help Tom Brady win his eighth Super Bowl? When it comes to Julio Jones, we know how great Julio Jones he is. For his career, Julio Jones has 13,330 receiving yards, 61 touchdowns, 879 receptions for his career. When it comes to Julio Jones, the last two years, he's only played in seven games. He's not even practicing every day anymore. So he's been dealing with a lot of injuries. And I'm interested to see 
interested in seeing if he can develop chemistry with Tom Brady. But in order to develop chemistry, you have to have reps in practice. And Tom Brady, he's not going to wait around for anyone. If you're not practicing, if you're not playing, you're not going to be able to develop chemistry with the GOAT. So I think he can produce and help the Bucks in the passing game. You know, they don't have Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin's going to miss the beginning of the season. He's still rehabbing from his injury. So they're going to need Julio Jones' production. You still got Mike Evans. Rob Gronkowski retired. And I think Rob Gronkowski is going to stay retired. There's people that believe that Rob Gronkowski may return back in November. I know he's going to have a conversation with Brady because I know Brady, and I know Brady's going to call Gronkowski in November and ask him, hey, I need you. Two months. We're getting close to the playoffs. But I, I think Gronk's going to stay retired. I think Gronk, he, he's ready to hang him up. He's taking a lot of hits. But they end up signing Kyle Rudolph a few days ago. So you got Kyle Rudolph. You got Mike Evans. You got Julio Jones. Leonard Fournette, he's out of shape. He just showed up to camp fat, out of shape. We're going to see. I think he's going to work his way into shape. But in the beginning of the season, with no Chris Godwin, Julio Jones is going to be an important piece to this Bucks offense. Week one. The Bucs play the Cowboys. I would take the over. It's going to be a lot of points scored in that game. But I wouldn't be surprised if Julio Jones got 10 to 12 targets in that game, along with Mike Evans. Mike Evans is the best receiver on this team. But Julio Jones, I think, is going to be counted on to make an impact because they're not going to have Chris Godwin at the beginning of the season. So it's going to be important for him to stay healthy. Again, the last two years, he's on, he's you know, he's – Missed seven games. So in order for him to produce, he has to practice and develop chemistry with Tom Brady. If that happens, I think he can help this Bucks offense. I really, really do. And in the in the NFC South, along with the New Orleans Saints, I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are a team that can make the playoffs. They're honestly Super Bowl contenders. Right now, I would say the Rams are slightly better than the Bucs. But then, you know, I, I think the Bucs are probably going to win the NFC South. But I ain't going to sleep on the, the Saints. I'm not going to sleep on the Saints because I thought last year, even though Jameis Winston got injured, I thought last year the Saints still competed. And every time the Saints play the Bucs, the game is competitive. Every time. I remember a few years ago when Drew Brees was still playing before he retired. Remember that Sunday night game in Tampa? The Saints beat the Bucs like 38 to 3. It was it was crazy. For whatever reason, the Saints got the Bucs number. Those games are always competitive. That one year, though, I think in the playoffs, Drew Brees before he retired, the Saints, they lost to the Bucs in the postseason. That was in route to Tom Brady winning his seventh Super Bowl because the year the, the week after that, they played Aaron Rodgers and the Packers in the NFC Championship game. But the the Saints always play the Bucs hard they play them tough and you know it's gonna be interesting to see who win the nfc south i would say the the bucks are the favorites and i think the bucks are at the top of the nfc right now but you know they're gonna need julio jones and the last few years julio jones has been a shell of himself he's not been the same receiver that he has been in previous years 2020 he had only 51 receptions he didn't even have over a thousand yards receiving he had 771 Receiving yards, only three touchdowns. Last year, Tennessee brought him in. 
to pair him up with A.J. Brown in that Titans offense, he didn't produce. He only had 31 receptions, 434 receiving yards, one touchdown. Again, he was injured most of the season. So the way he had that chemistry with Matt Ryan in Atlanta, it's going to be important for Julio Jones to have that chemistry in Tampa Bay, but he's going to have to participate in practice and stay healthy. And it's been an issue for him. Been an issue for him, but I, I think that Buccaneers team, you know, with with Chris Godwin and in the fold and Kyle Rudolph, I think they'll 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 be a good team in the NFC for sure. Everybody, remember go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at Wise Guys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. So I'll be back on next Tuesday and Thursday, seven p.m. to eight thirty p.m. on the Worldwide Sports Network. Talking all the latest in sports news. So I'm going to have a good weekend this weekend. We get football's not all the way back. We got training camp opening up. I don't know if everyone saw. Did y'all see the reigning NFL MVP roll into training camp in Green Bay? Nicholas Cage style. Connor, go watch that movie. You know what I'm talking about. Go see how Aaron Rodgers rolled into training camp the other day. Training camp is here. We got football. Here in a few weeks, NFL preseason is upon us. So excited for the upcoming NFL season. It's a great time to be alive. But I'll be back on next week talking on the latest in sports. Enjoy your weekend. See you. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.